Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. Because God has a message for his church, today's church, through these seven churches. And so today we're talking about the church of Smyrna and what he has to say to them. Last week we talked about the, the letter to Ephesus and how God said, listen, you did, you did, you're doing great work. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. You're serving. You're, you're reaching your city. You're doing all of these things. But you're doing it. You're working out of obligation, not out of love. And so I'm going to take all these works that you did and they're useless to me because your motivation isn't right. Remember we talked about out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it says if, you're, if your love isn't right, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you give away. If at the end of the day you don't do it because you love, then your, your effort is worthless to me. But then he told them, but if you'll change that, and get your first love right, then I promise you eternity. And so that was the message that he had for the church in Ephesus. That's the message he has for us because so many of us are committed to the work of the church. Man, we're committed to be here early. We're committed to read our word. We do our one-year study plan. We pray. We do all the stuff. But we do it because we feel obligated to because it's what we've always done. It's because we're Southern Christians. And I'm a Christian because my grandmama was a Christian. But it's time that the church got that right. This week, we're going to talk about the church in Smyrna. And he had a singular message to the church in Smyrna. You're suffering, but if you'll trust me, you'll endure. If you trust me, there's eternity waiting for you. And so that's, that's the really the whittled down version of that. The Smyrna church was a suffering church. But there's a paradoxical truth that we see throughout Scripture. And that is the more struggle, the more persecution the church faces, the more pure and strong that it is. And so I, I asked Trent to bring this stool up here not, not because I don't feel well or anything like that. I, I just, I'm going to sit down for a minute. I want to talk. Sometimes I, I like to look at you. I, I'm, I'm nervous for the American church. I, I, I find myself weeping over the American church. I don't, I don't think we serve an, an American God. Jesus wasn't swaddled in the American flag, but the American church is lacking. And we got to get it right. We're going to talk about the message of Smyrna in a minute. But there is a truth to the fact that the more you suffer, the stronger you are, the more pure that you are. The Word of God says this in James 1, 2, and 4. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance has its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
And so as we endure persecution, as we endure trials, we get to a place of perfection. The problem is we're in a cycle in America where we, much like the Israelites of the Old Testament, grew complacent. God saved us. God blessed us. We grew complacent of that. Not just grew complacent in our blessing, but became rebellious in our blessing. And now we can expect that God is going to allow persecution on us. Or even maybe bring persecution to us. That's a, that's a hard truth for people to understand. But the storm was sent by God to Jonah. Because he needed Jonah to be right. The church needs to get right. The American church needs to understand that persecution may be happening and is likely happening because the church hasn't been what it should be in our society. This should make us sad. I've two different times this week I've seen ads that celebrate a homosexual lifestyle. We went from tolerating it to celebrating it to persecuting those that won't celebrate it. And God's not going to have that. And that's any sin. That's not just homosexuality. But Levi's has its own pride line now. Skittles, candy, has its own, I forget what they call it, unity something, what is it, pride bag of candy. What is it? Huh? It's called Together. My whole point is we've moved to a place where God almost has to, because He's a perfect judge, judge us. Why do I tell you this? Why did I take the time before we started teaching out of the letter to talk to you about this? Because the persecution that we're under as an American society can be relieved if the church prays, if the church humbles itself before God. There's no commandment in Scripture that says that God's going to heal the land if the sinner humbles himself. It says if the church humbles itself. And we need to humble ourselves. In the time of persecution that we're facing, let's be a church that is humble, determined to do the work of the ministry for the sake of love and loving our community, dealing with the persecution that we deal with, recognizing that in that persecution we are strengthened. We are pure. I can, I can prove this, not, not just in Scripture that there's this paradox. You, you see it everywhere else in the world. In Africa, the African church is strong. It's pure. The Indian church, where they're pulling people out of their houses and, and burning their homes down and beating pastors. That church is strong. That Christian church is strong. In China, where they will kill you, put you in prison for being a Christian, the church is strong. When the USSR Iron Curtain fell, behind that curtain we found a beautiful Christian church. Because where there's persecution, there's, there's perfection. Or perfection is soon to come. 
We need to be that church. I have a buddy of mine. He's coming, for those of you guys that know him, uh, Doji's coming on the 13th, 13th, right, of June. And Doji is a missionary to the United States from Africa, which makes me sad a little bit. There was a time when America sent missionaries to Africa. Now Africa is sending missionaries to the United States. But I asked him one time, I said, why is the faith so big in Africa? Because you hear all these miracles. You hear about people being healed and all of these things. And I'm not a cessationist. There's no indication that I could find in Scripture that cessationism is a thing. What was available to the first century church is available to the church right now. And so, with that being said, I asked him, I said, why are they seeing miracles like they're seeing? Why are they seeing healings like they're seeing? Why does that happen in Africa? We don't see it as much here. He said, because if you're hungry in Africa, you pray that God feed you or you starve to death. If you're sick in Africa, you pray that God heal you or you starve to death. If you're persecuted in Africa, you pray that God comfort you or you die in your discomfort. And so that's what I'm telling you. That's what we should be doing as an American church, recognizing that our persecution exists, one, because we've grown complacent, but two, to purify us, to perfect us, to make us come to an understanding that God is bigger than our problem. We spend so much time talking about, man, this I, I, people, I ask people all the time, how you doing? It's my number one question, probably. Uh, it may come in different forms, but essentially I'm asking, how are you doing? And they just start this litany of how horrible their life is. Can we talk about how big our God is? Amen. Is our God bigger than the problem that you have? Amen. Absolutely he is. He is, like I said, he's transcendent above time and space. He's sovereign. He's in charge and control. He's omnipresent. He's present in your circumstance. But the church needs to come to this realization. The church needs to understand, the American church specifically needs to understand that we shouldn't fear persecution. We should thrive in it. Now I know that goes against the American dream, the American virtue. But I'm a Christian before I'm an American. I hope you're a Christian before you're an American. Release your problems to God. Let God deal with your problems. And so this is what the this is what the church in Smyrna, this is the message that the church in Smyrna got from Jesus. That the purest Christian virtues are forged in the flame of adversity. God's going to make you everything you're supposed to be and promises you eternity if you'll stand strong, be firm in your faith, if you'll recognize that I'm bigger, that I was, I was here before you were here, I'll be here after you die, and you'll live with me in eternity if you believe what I'm telling you. That's the church in Smyrna. That's the message to the church in Smyrna in a nutshell. That's the thesis statement. Now, we're going to break it down a little bit, but this is what it says. It says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, this is verse 8, chapter 2, And the, the first and the last who was dead and who has come to life, says this, I know your tribulation. Everybody say, I know. I know. Man, that's so good. Those are the two most comforting words besides but God and all of Scripture, I think. Amen. I know. I know what you're dealing with. I know where you are. I know the suffering that you're enduring. I know everything you've, you've got going on. I know all the 
all the struggles in your life, the addictions, the divorce. I know the financial problems that you have. I know all of those things. But he says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by which, by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Notice there's no guarantee that he's going to save you from death. He said be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And so this is the message to the Smyrna church. I told you guys the writer of Revelation, John, as revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, said, wrote these letters in a very specific way. He gave uh, community. He told them first who he was talking to. And then he gave a comment or a correspondent. He said, this is who I am. Then he gave a commendation. This is what I celebrate in you. And then he gave a correction. This is what you're doing wrong. And then he gave a comfort. This is how you get that right. We can be in relationship if you get that right. And so I'm going to use that all the way through all seven of these churches. That outline is how they're written. I'll tell you, this, is, this church and the church in Philadelphia are the only two churches that don't have a correction. All God has is good things to say and encourage them. Man, I want to be that church. Amen? So, but he says this. This is a community. He said, first to the church in Smyrna, right. So let me talk about the church in Smyrna. I'm just going to spend a few minutes here. The church in Smyrna, the city of Smyrna, and the church that existed therein was, or not and the church, but the city of Smyrna was the hotbed for Roman emperor worship. In that time, they worshipped the emperor. And because Smyrna was so faithful to Rome that the temple to the Roman emperor was actually in Smyrna. They built the temple to the Roman emperor in Smyrna. And so society worshipped the emperor. Of course, Christians aren't going to do that. They're not going to bow down to that. Not only that, but this is the society where Zeus was worshipped, where Apollos was worshipped, where Aphrodite was was worshipped. And so Smyrna was a hub of idol and pagan worship. This is the largest reason for their persecution is because they stood opposed to what the rest of the world around them was willing to worship. They didn't bow down to the false gods of their society. And because they weren't willing to bow down to the false gods of their society, they were persecuted. That's a word for the church today too. Don't bow down to the false gods that society has, has given you or has tried to press upon you or tried to inundate you with. Instead, stand firm in your persecution. Some of you are going to go to jail. Some of you are going to be murdered. Some of you are going to be poverty stricken. There are people now. We don't have to wait for this to happen. There are people now that if they spoke their religious belief in their workplace, they'd be fired. They'd lose what they have, and they would be in poverty. 
This is American society. How does this happen? This happens because we refuse to be persecuted. Because we've determined that we're going to stand in our comfort instead of stand on the truth of the Word of God. Does it hurt your feelings that there's only one path to heaven that, that leads to eternity with Him and that way is Jesus? Then have your feelings hurt. Because I can't disprove the truth and wouldn't... There is no other truth other than that one to disprove. This is the truth, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one enters except through me, period. I am the resurrection and the life. Even he who dies won't die if you know who Jesus is. This is the truth, but the world doesn't like that because the world wants to say, listen, all roads lead to heaven. There's a universalist church in Mount Juliet. Did you know that? It's actually an old hickory, but it's inside of Wilson County on the Mount Juliet side, so we're going to call it Mount Juliet. But it's a, <laughs> it's aggravating a couple of the Mount Juliet folks. But it's a universalist church. You know what a universalist church believes? That you can be who you want, do what you want, believe in whatever God you want, and you're going to go to heaven anyway. That's a damnable lie that's going to send you straight to hell. Whoa, say that at work. Say that at work to a, a Muslim. I'm not saying don't love them. Jesus said love everybody. Love your Jewish neighbor. Love your Muslim neighbor. Love your homosexual neighbor. Love your Hispanic neighbor. Love your neighbor. But sometimes the best way to love them is to tell them the truth. Well, not sometimes. Always, the best way to love them is to tell them the truth. I have family members that are living intentionally in sin. And you know what I tell them? That that's displeasing to God. And if you died living in that, you're going to go to hell. And I don't want that for you. I tell you, it breaks my heart to say that. But I'm not going to have my family member at the throne of God saying, my daddy knew, or my brother knew, or my cousin knew, and they didn't tell me. I know I'm kind of off the whole letter of Philadelphia, but the church needs to pay attention. The church needs to get back to its place of purity. That community persecuted them, and God didn't have a single correction for them. God said, if you will endure until the end, you'll be with me for eternity. And I got too many people that I love in heaven not to want to see them. I did a funeral on Sunday after church, as most of you know, and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be pointed or ugly or blunt, and I hope I'm not. But I told them that because she was a Christian, she had a hope that she's alive today as she's ever been. But if there's anybody in this room that isn't a Christian, when they shut this casket, this is the last chance you have of ever seeing her again. About half their mouths fell open, but that's okay because it's the truth. The community stood opposed to them, but the truth of the Word of God held them comfortable. We need to learn to be comfortable in the truth and uncomfortable in society.
Amen? And so that's the community it came from. Let's talk about the, the correspondent. Jesus introduces himself in each one of these letters according to their need. I told you that last week. In the book of, or the letter to the Ephesian church, he said, I am the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and, I, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. He's saying, I'm intimately familiar with you. I walk around. I inspect you. I see every little thing. I see that you're working. You're just not working well or for the right motivational reason. And so he says, because you need to know that there's, I have intimacy with you, you need to be intimate. That's the reason he introduced himself that way in, in Ephesus. This is how he introduces himself in Smyrna. The first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I was, I, I was here before you got here. I am eternal. I am transcendent. I, I am above all things. I'm not bound by time. I'm in all places. I was here before you got here. I'm going to be here when everything is gone. Because I am God. But you know the, the incredible blessing of it? Is that those of us who believe, because Jesus Christ showed himself, as we talked about this weekend, as the first fruit of the resurrection, we have a promise that even in our persecution, even if our persecution leads to death, because he is the one, the first and the last, the one who was dead and has come to life, even when we die, we shall be alive too. He introduced them according to his nature so that they would understand because you belong to me and because you carry my divine nature as I live eternally, if you'll believe in me and stand firm and stand strong, you too will live eternally. I don't know how to say this more clearly. At the end of 10,000 years, whatever you get killed for here is going to be a faint memory, if a memory at all. Stand firm, stand strong. The church isn't willing to do the hard stuff. It's break. This breaks my heart. This should break all of our hearts. And I, I don't say that as pastor up on the platform. I'm telling you, I my heart aches that I see. I see people listening to me but not hearing me all the time. I see people reading the Word of God but getting no revelation from the Word of God. I hear people pray, knowing that they're praying out of their intellect, not their spirit. But this is what happens when we don't trust that God sees us. He knows us according to the Word. So He is the one who created all things. He is the one that will be here for all time. And he will continue to be here after everything is destroyed. Amen? All right. Because of that, we have confidence that Jesus conquered death. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 says this, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. Jesus became flesh 
that through his death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That's a promise to you. If you'll stand firm, stand strong, be who God's called you to be, you have the promise that you will conquer death just as he conquered death. Y'all know this is a it's a charismatic church, right? If I was going to get excited about anything, if I was going to run my spirit flag up, it would be the fact that death has no sting on me. This is the this is the promise of everything. This is the this is the proof of every promise Jesus made over us. That he was resurrected and will be resurrected too. Our eternity is secured by our confidence, our faith in him. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. We have the promise that we need to, or we can count on his strength to endure. Romans eight thirty seven. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Do you hear that? He didn't say you kind of conquer, man. You just won it by the skin of your teeth. You guys ever seen a race that so close they have to slow it down and, and just get like 500 speed or whatever just to be see who's this far ahead? You ain't winning like that, baby. Because Jesus didn't win like that. He completely decimated and made a public spectacle of the enemy so that you can be conquerors, but not just conquerors, overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Hmm. So what did he, having acknowledged or introduced himself as the one who is forever, what is the message that he has? He says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. He says, I see your struggle. I see the people that stand opposed to you. I see that society that you live in is set up to persecute you. And when I say persecute you, I, I told you guys a story this weekend about Polycarp and how Polycarp was murdered or how he was martyred. Polycarp being the disciple of John. Polycarp was martyred in Smyrna. But the way that he was murdered, set on fire, had his head cut off, that was a tame way of being killed at Smyrna. They'd throw you to lions and watch wild animals tear your flesh apart until you die. They had a system by which, and I don't mean to be grotesque, it's, but they had... They would take and they would cut just underneath your belly button and pull a loop of your intestines out. And they would put that loop on a wheel with a peg on it and they would roll that wheel with that peg until your intestines wrapped completely around that wheel and it pulled your guts out and you died. This is the persecution they suffered. And people ask us about Jesus and we say, well, I can't really talk about that at work. Your guts out and you die. This is the persecution they suffered. I see the destruction that they're creating in your life. I know what you're going through, your troubles, your, all of your troubles. In verse 10, do not fear. In verse 10, do not fear. 
what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He, he tells them, stop fearing, stop worrying, don't worry about it, just stand strong, I've got you. You probably didn't say, I got you, but you get the idea. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. The devil is against you. Can I tell you, in all of history, you're not the first person that the devil's ever stood against. The devil asked permission to stand against Job. And Job sinned not. I, I've lost some stuff in my life. But I've not lost my family, all my belongings. I've not lost literally my health. I haven't lost everything just to have a couple of friends gather around me and talk about what a horrible person I am and I'm the reason why all this is happening, which is what happened to Job. The devil came at Job, but Job didn't sway. The devil asked Jesus for permission to sift Peter, but Peter didn't sway. Well, he was sifted, but he came back. But Jesus gave him a promise. He said, when you come back, restore your brothers. You catch that? Jesus didn't say, if you, if you find your way back to me. He said, when you come back. Peter came back. He was restored to him. You're not the first person to suffer. You're not the first person to struggle. You're not the first person to fail in your suffering. But you know what you need to do? You need to not fear. I would ask for hands, except I don't want to embarrass anyone. I know people struggle. They fall down. They, they, they don't quite reach the mark. They miss it. And then they give up because they said, I've failed. I've failed God. I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. Me either. I've, I've, my wife and I, and we've told you this, we've sworn ourselves to transparency while we pastor this church. That's the reason why I tell you we're not perfect. We struggle too. I, I laid on the floor right there for 45 minutes today and just worshiped and asked God where I'm exactly who I should be. Make me who I should, who I should be. I become, I become I expect that who, I, who I should be but because I know I'm not who I should be. I should, but you know what? I get up a floor, floor, knock, 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 from the lower ends and the, all the all the different things. But I tell you, it doesn't say what those ten days are. If it's a literal ten days, it may be a literal ten days. I don't know. It may be signify a short time. Fear not. This is what he's telling the Smyrna church. Fear not. Do not fear for what you're about to suffer. You are about to be tested. You will have tribulation for 10 days. People in the book of Revelation get wrapped up in numerology. And it's, it's hard to, to not see all the sevens and the tens and the, all, the, all the different things. But I tell you, it doesn't say what those 10 days are. If it's a literal 10 days, it may be a literal 10 days. I don't know. It may be, signify a short time. It may not mean prison at all, just persecution. But the Bible's silent there, so I'm, I'm not going to give any real... 
Uh, some theologians will tell you that the book of Daniel, where Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel all asked that they be separated for 10 days so that they could prove the faithfulness of God and not take what the king had to offer them. That's an allusion to that, but I can't. I can't tell you that. I don't know what it's for. All I know is that the devil's going to try to sift you. That persecution is coming, but that's only going to last a short time. And I know this. Whether you're 20 years old or 80 years old, if you suffer from today till the time that you die, miserably, in light of eternity, that's a short time. It's worth it. It's worth it. I've, I've told you a thousand times, this is the application process by which we get the job. All we got to do is go through the application process. I don't remember going through the application process at the sheriff's office, but I remember the job. So recognize that the suffering may happen for you just as it's happened for the Smyrna church. In every church between the Smyrna Church and this church. But God's bigger than your problem. God's bigger than your trial. God's bigger than your persecution. God sees you and knows you where you are. He's intimately familiar with you. Like we talked about last week, he's the engineer that walks around in your factory inspecting every little wheel, every little wobble to ensure that you don't break down. He's got you. He holds you in his righteous right hand. He is the strong tower. We have a right to as believers to run into He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one that created you. You don't think he can sustain you? It's by him, for him, and through him that all things were made and created. You existed for him. You exist for him. For, for him, what is that? For his pleasure. You exist because God wanted you to exist. Stand firm. Stand strong message to the Smyrna church is if you will do that. If you will do as I say. If you'll be faithful until death, I will give you the crown of life. Be an overcomer. Be an overcomer. We're going to see this word over and over and over again. Be an overcomer. It doesn't matter what the trial is. It doesn't matter what the tribulation. I know I sound like a broken record. But I want you to know God's bigger than you. And he has promised you eternity if you'll rest in him. Amen.